Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 16 from the New King James Version. And here's what it says. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, Jesus, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Let me just tell you, I've never seen more signs of the end of the age than I'm seeing right now. Of course, I haven't lived hundreds and hundreds of years, but I'm telling you, I've been around now for over half a century, and I've heard so much as a kid growing up and prophecies and such, but today, the things that are developing in our world today, the signs are everywhere. I mean, flashing red that Jesus is coming soon. And Jesus is telling us here that we ought to be able to discern the signs of the times and know that something's coming. So it goes on to say in verse 4, a wicked and an a wicked and adult and an let me start that verse over. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Well, of course, he'd already mentioned the, the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, and Jesus said the Son of Man himself is going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, talking about between the time of his death and his resurrection. Now, verse 5, now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had taken, uh, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus, by the way, you forget those little uh, normal practical things that while they're traveling, they have to eat. There are no restaurants, there's no fast food. So they had to figure all that out. Well, there's so much that the Bible does not capture. It only captures just a little snapshot here and a snapshot there of what the Holy Spirit wanted us to uh, see. But the rest of their daily practical lives and conversation and uh, getting dressed, uh, shaving, washing their clothes, it just doesn't talk about all of that. But it all had to happen. And you get these little glimpses here. They'd forgotten to take bread. And the only reason why that's in here is because Jesus is going to teach something that has to do with it. Watch this. So the disciples had uh, come to the other side and they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he said, leaven, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. And so they thought that's what he was referring to. Verse nine or verse eight. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, oh, you of little faith. Watch why he said that. Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How 
Uh, how is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine or teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so Jesus was warning them to say, be careful because those teachings, those doctrines, you may swallow something that is contrary to the word of God, and it will preclude you from so much that God wants to do. So be careful because those little doctrines uh, grow like leaven, like yeast in a lump of dough. They'll expand to where they'll taint everything else that, that you believe about God. And so he was warning them about that. So notice this. When Jesus came, boy, this is a good passage. Ready? Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So the disciples said, Some say John the Baptist, which is interesting. Some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Interesting, it's, it's almost like a reincarnation thing. Like, wait a minute, John the Baptist is a different person. Elijah is a different person. Or uh, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets, those are different people. And yet they're thinking, with all these miracles that you're doing, you must be one of these other great men of God uh, come back from the dead or, you know, reincarnated or something. You know, so people have their opinions. Th this shows the level of ignorance, even though these are people, the Jewish people, uh, people of the book. Uh, that shows that they still do not understand what's happening. They're, they have this level of ignorance. So they're thinking must be one of these uh, fathers that have passed away. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? See, before he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He didn't call himself the son of God. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they say, well, some think John the Baptist, uh, you know, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets, he said, but who do you say? Now he's looking right at his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, oh, look at this. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, that's Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Boy, he hit it right on the head, didn't he? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Well, isn't this interesting? He's saying flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. Well, guess what? Jesus is a human being. He's flesh and blood. And Jesus is saying, you didn't get that revelation from flesh and blood. My Father in heaven revealed to you who I am, that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God. <laughs> he said, you got that revelation from heaven, from Father God. Now watch this. And notice he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He didn't say, blessed are you, Peter. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. So now he calls him by this other name, Peter, or a rock. He said, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Now what's interesting is, when he said you are Peter, and on this rock, those are really the same word, but a different form of the word. 
And here's what it is. You are a rock. You are Peter. You are a rock. And on this rock, and he changes the form of the word in the Greek here. And he says, on this massive, solid, immovable rock, I'll build my church. Well, uh, the Catholic church really thinks that he's saying, and on this rock, Peter, I'll build my church, the original pope. But that's not what Jesus was saying. No, he said, my father has revealed to you, you've received the revelation from my father of who I am, that I am the Messiah, I am the son of the living God, and therefore you are Peter, a rock, and on this rock of revelation of who Jesus is, I'll build my church. See, the people that are going to get born again are the people that when they hear the gospel, their hearts and minds and eyes are open to realizing, oh man, he is really the son of God, isn't he? He really did die for our sins. And on this rock of revelation of who Jesus is, he said, I'll build my church. So this same thing that happened to Peter where uh, God opens his heart heart and mind, and he receives this revelation of Jesus, this is how the church is going to be built. It's not going to be be built on great leadership skills. It's not going to be great on organization. It's not going to be great on uh, motivating people. No, it's going to be uh, built on the solid foundation of people having their hearts and eyes open to this revelation of Jesus. And then once you get have it revealed to you as to who Jesus is, oh man, people can take your head off. They can't, they can't take it away from you because you know already the truth. God has revealed to you the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, on this rock, not Peter, but on the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, the ESV says, will not prevail against it. So notice Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. Notice Jesus takes personal responsibility to build his church. On this rock of revelation of who I am, I will build my church. And notice this, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not prevail against it. Oh, thank God. Aren't you glad you're part of the church? So God builds us first by revealing to us who Jesus is, that he is the Savior. He is the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And so on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's interesting is gates don't attack you. We have to attack the gates. The gates are to keep us out of something. See, the enemy wants to keep us out of other people's lives. He wants to take people to hell. He wants to uh, take advantage of the governments of the world, influence society, uh, control the media, etc., etc. And he puts up gates to keep the kingdom of God and the people of the kingdom of God out. But Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church. My church will prevail against the gates of Hades. Why? Because we have authority in Jesus' name. So notice this now. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice he didn't say, I will give you the key to the heaven, to heaven. He's not talking about the key to get into heaven like salvation. No, he said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. See, the key to the bank, for example, 
Well, the janitor has a key to the bank to get in and clean the bank, right? That doesn't get you into the vaults and the lock boxes and all that. No, but having the keys, the combinations and the keys of the bank, well, that's totally different. Jesus is saying, not I'll give you the key to the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This is authority. When you have the, all the keys, you have the authority. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Let's put this into context. Whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. That's what keys do. They lock and unlock. Whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven. In fact, the way that it reads in the Greek is more like this. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you lock on earth will have been locked in heaven. And whatever you unlock on earth will have been unlocked in heaven. In other words, God's saying, I'm ahead of you. Uh, uh, heaven's already locking up the things that should be locked and unlocking the things that shouldn't be locked, waiting on you to take the keys of authority to actually execute it so that what's already done in heaven can now be done on earth. Didn't, didn't you say to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already in heaven like that. In heaven, his word is already settled. He's waiting for us to take the keys, the promises, the authority that's been given to us, and to cause the will of God that's already settled in heaven to now be accomplished here on the earth. Folks, we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. He's given us the keys of his kingdom, at least all of, all of us who are born again. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? So notice, whatever you bind, whatever you lock is locked. See, don't wait on God to go do all these things for us. Take the truth of God's word and say, well, according to God's word, this is what it says. So therefore, in the name of Jesus, I declare this is what will happen. See, we take authority that God has given to us. He's waiting on us. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Well, Peter had received that uh, revelation. Didn't say all the other disciples had received it yet. But he said, don't tell anybody about this. Why? Because it wasn't time for him to be, to be made the king. That's going to happen in the second coming. So he wasn't here to try to become the ruling Messiah. That's for the second coming. This time he is the sacrificial lamb, the sacrificing, the serving Messiah. So it says, then he commanded his, his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. You can imagine how they're hearing this. Then Peter took him aside, this Peter that just got this blessing. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My father revealed. And not only that, you're Peter. You're a solid rock. And on this rock of revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. Just what happened to you? This is how I'm going to build people in my church, okay? So then Jesus says, and by the way, we're going to Jerusalem and all the religious people, they're going to persecute me. They're going to kill me and I'll be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Well, he got a little cocky there, didn't he? He began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Now, don't think that Peter is uh, trying to be disrespectful. Peter's trying to protect Jesus. He's saying, no, no, no. No, we're not going to let that happen to you, Lord. 
See, he's trying to protect him, but he's not realizing that Jesus has to die on the cross for the sins of the world. But he said, uh, he began to rebuke him and say, far be it from you. Notice he didn't say, I rebuke you. Here's how he rebuked him. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. See, so it wasn't a rebuking like you would think a rebuking is, but he's he is correcting Jesus verbally. And so it, it is considered a rebuke, but he's correcting him to protect him. See, so understand the heart behind Peter so that you can understand how this is going. And yet, Jesus sees this kind of coddling of Jesus, this kind of protection of Jesus as a temptation trying to, that that really is uh, attempting to tempt Jesus to avoid the cross. And Satan tried to do that, that at the beginning. You remember, bow down to me and all the, I'll give you all the king, kingdoms of the world, right? You don't have to go through the cross, right? You bow down to me right now. I'll give them to you. It was a temptation, the Bible says. And so now uh, he's saying this to Jesus. No, this is not going to happen to you. And yet Jesus knows it's his assignment. And so uh, Peter said, Lord, far be it from you. This shall not happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, Jesus knows he's not really Satan, but the words that were coming out of his mouth were the same, was the same temptation uh, that uh, Satan brought in Matthew chapter 4. And that is, you don't need to die. And of course, that's what Jesus' flesh wanted to hear. You remember, in fact, we'll see when we get to Matthew uh, 26, that his soul is going to cry out when he gets close to the cross. Because his flesh doesn't want to do it. He was human like we were. And you wouldn't want to do it either. And so he said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. This is not helping me for you to talk like this. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You're thinking about things of human beings. But you're not thinking about God and his assignment and why this is important. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said, oh, I've got a cross, but you've got one too. Of course, they're not going to die for the sins of the world, but to be able to fulfill their assignments, they're going to have to die to the lives that they would have had without fulfilling those assignments. And so he goes on to say, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He said, if you will lose your life and do what I've called you to do and obey me, you'll find the life that you were created to live. And it would be the most fulfilling thing in the world. Of course, most of these men were martyred. And yet, it was fulfilling. Why? It was what they were called to do. And countless thousands of people are going to be in heaven. In fact, I would say through their word, millions and millions and millions are going to be in heaven and not hell because they lost their life. But what they gained is eternity. Not only uh, of eternal life by being saved, but in eternity knowing that because they sacrificed their short life here on earth, they have the rewards of having all these additional people in heaven. Folks, it's worth it. It's worth it to serve God. It's worth it to give your life to the ministry he's called you to, whatever that may be. So Jesus went on to say, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man 
will come in the glory of his Father. This is the second coming. Will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his work. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who, so, who shall not taste death till they see the Son of God coming, or excuse me, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That's going to have to flow into the next chapter. We'll pick that back up in the next chapter, and it's quite a great revelation. You don't want to miss this. But notice Jesus is coming back. There is, he's coming in glory, and we will be so happy that we lost our life here on this earth to do the will of God, because then we'll not only be in heaven, but also we'll have all these other people in heaven right along with us. And we're vulnerable, by the way, if you don't lay your life down and do the will of God, you're vulnerable to not make it yourself. What is a man, what is a prophet a man, he said, to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Folks, it's not worth it. Lay your life down, die to yourself, and do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Serve Jesus with all of your heart. Go after him with everything you've got. And then not only will your, your own soul be saved for eternity, but many other lives will be as well. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. Jerry Dearman